MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, July 31st, 2019. Today we talk about privileged families taking advantage of a loophole to steal grants from students in need, a police shooting case underway that's getting no coverage, California Governor Gavin Newsom signs a new law requiring the release of presidential tax returns for the primaries, the first night of the Dem debates, and Moscow Mitch. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. Well... How are you? I am well as well. Well, nice. nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we did beach dog day, dog Aww. beach day today, and uh, so we got some sun. So I'm feeling a little tired, sunned. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then um, we cleaned our house today, so that's nice. And yeah. so then I felt it was necessary to probably take a shower because I was so grubby that I felt uncomfortable in my clean house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a good day to get out, though. I'm glad you got to the beach. I was biking around. The neighborhood. It's Beautiful pretty. day. Today. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. So uh, thanks for that weather, San Diego. We pay high rents for that. So <laughs> um, I'm glad we got it for a little bit. We are smack dab in the middle of uh, the debates and we record before they air. So we're going to add. So we're going to do our news and then we're going to take break, watch the debates. I'm going to live tweet them at the daily uh, at Daily Beans Pod, not the Daily Beans Pod, but at Daily Beans Pod. I keep getting that messed up. <laughs> um. And then after that, uh, I'm going to uh, record like a wrap up of of the debates and we'll stick it at the end of the show. So you might get your show a little bit late tonight. Patrons, sorry about that. It's still going to come out in the morning for everybody else. Um, Do you guys have any ideas about who's going to win before we start? Mm. Well, there's no brown. We said Warren. Yeah. Cool. I agree. Um, There's no brown candidates, right? Kamala's tomorrow yeah kamala julian yeah yeah i'm definitely um, going for warren i think warren's gonna win tonight. yeah yeah me too i agree warren yeah i'm hoping buddha judge can have a stronger showing this time he was pretty strong in the first one but i i would like for him to really come out really yeah come out. he got yeah. called out about race sort he of did. Right? yeah that's so kind of what i'm looking for him times, to yeah. to uh con- appropriately address yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even know how to do that, so I hope someone's yeah. advised him on how to do it. He kind of had a good response. White people to start watch, with. yeah, <laughs> in the hopes that he will handle it gracefully and correctly. Yeah, and I was thinking like some of the fringe candidates that aren't really making waves should just come out and say, "I'm the only thing I'm running is to unseat Trump. That's the only reason I'm doing yeah. it." And f Russia in the a. Yeah, and uh, not in a homophobic way. Right. Just in a, I don't feel like doing anal tonight way. True. And I really think <laughs> I, I just want to put that out there. But, I, you know, I, I really think that um, I don't like. OK. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like they're ha- they have to do something, you know, major or mm-hmm. noteworthy or something. And, and that's something no one's tried yet. Everyone's trying to run on the issues. No one's running against Trump, except maybe Tom Steyer. But he's not even on the debate stage. Yeah. This yeah. Time. No one's running mo- on emotions like, ooh, there could be like a catchphrase like they're running on the issues and not the tissues. Oh, <laughs> <I like laughs> that could be a thing. Right? But no, they should address like the racist comments recently. And the fact that Republicans are saying it's not racist, like we need to apparently 
go back and define what racism is. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because everyone's sort of uh, nitpicking, like picking at Joe Biden, for example, about his busing answer and uh, about uh, the crime bill and the unintended consequences of that three strikes rule, how we have so many nonviolent criminals in prison and most of them are people of color and disenfranchised people uh, who then again can't, don't have the right to vote anymore because of it. Uh, all that. And then here we have a dude in the White House telling people of color to go back to the shitholes they came from. And it's like, I understand that you want to pit Democrat against Democrat in the primaries, but I, I want some candidate to just stand up and say, are you missing the bigger picture? We have a racist, rapist, you know, exchange that middle letter for whatever you like mm -hmm. in the White House. And uh, and we need to beat him. The yeah. end. And policies are important, of course, but I, I do crave that too. someone just address the big racist elephant in the room, you know, like just call it out and then go on with your plans Warren. yes republican <laughs> elephant nice Warren go on with your plans because I mean policies are nice but none of it matters unless we get Trump out of the White House totally yeah so I do feel like they're going to stray away from asking them a lot of explicitly race based questions just because there are no representation of any people of color on the Kamala stage comes out like, as so the it's only kind of like that's more of a tomorrow question right yeah. uh, but I, I do think they will probably ask like Bernie and uh, Warren like what are you going to do for voters of color or people of color because they kind of and Buttigieg especially because they yeah. kind of need to prove that there's like zero people of color mm -hmm. for Buttigieg uh, and, and not very many at all for Sanders. And so that's something that they would have to rectify. I, there was a poll that came out, Quinnipiac poll that came out, Trump, 86% of black Americans will not vote for Trump. Thank God. So 4% <laughs> said they would. Yeah, I met one of those guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're that they're out there. Yeah, with the Baltimore comments too. I mean, they could really could address some very like relevant things right now, just yeah. even briefly. You know? It does seem a little bit weird to me though that it's kind of like asking a question that would warrant the perspective of a person of color to to check but a lot of the things president. that they might say up there. Yeah, tonight too. So. I don't know. I Not think, obviously. Yeah, Kamala did a really good job of that the last time where she said, as, you know, the only woman of color on exactly. the stage right now, I'd like to address your question about racism. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's weird that they won't even have anybody that could even provide that actual perspective she of a just person be on of standby, color. Like Kanye, like, I'm going to let you finish. Just like interject. Just have a person of color just run across the stage every once in a while. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey. hey. You know. Just a streaker. I'm available. Just a streaker. <laughs> that would just make everyone feel small and insignificant. I mean, it's possible. That's a person. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to end that conversation before we start getting emails. You guys, we have a lot of news to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, guys, let's kick off the Hot Notes, with a story from ProPublica. What good journalism they have here They about privileged families exploiting a loophole. Jordan, what did the journalists at ProPublica find? Yeah, so it's in ProPublica, Illinois. Specifically, they're uncovering that there's a group of wealthy individuals, basically. They're, they're not a cohort or anything. It just happens to be wealthy white people, presumably. <laughs> I don't want to say all white people, but kind of <laughs> kind of all white people uh, that are using the loophole of essentially letting their kids in their junior and senior year of high school uh, effectively not be their dependents anymore so they can file for financial aid as an independent, which is giving like them a lot more. Like emancipate themselves or whatever? I don't know. I, I hesitated to say emancipate because I don't know if it's exactly emancipation, the process that they're going through, but they're transferring them over to a grandparent or an aunt or someone that doesn't someone warrant them Social being... Security or whatever that doesn't have the kind of money that their parents have. Right. So they're claiming themselves as being financially independent and because of that they're getting all of these extra grants, Dude. scholarships, resources because they're doing that and they've gone through and seen that there's been 
a lot of cases between January 2018 and now. It's like over 40 cases or something of this. And this is just in Illinois. <sighs> and the people, some of the parents are doctors, they're lawyers, they're, one is like an assistant superintendent. So these are not low-income families in a lot of these cases. And they've one of the reasons they found out that this was even happening was because a high school counselor from a super wealthy suburban high school called someone at a university who had sent an invitation to one of their high school students that's about to go to their school, uh, an invitation to an event that's specifically tailored for low-income students. And they were like, this person is not low-income. Why did they even get this invitation? Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, well, because they're on our list of people that are basically, like, struggling financially. Damn, shit. See, I couldn't get aid because my parents made too much money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm totally fine with that because this aid is finite it's capped so if you are getting it someone else is not Mm -hmm. and it's like different from the va because a lot of a lot of veterans are like i don't want to sign up for my va benefits because i could be taking away va benefits from somebody who is has it worse off than me but that's not how the va benefits work it's not like pie everyone is entitled to if they are disabled uh in in whatever way to get their compensation for that but this is a finite pot of money and and it's it reminds me of well there's two things here first of all that sucks because it's a finite pot of money and it reminds me of that movie soul man where he took a bunch of tanning pills to oh, act God. to look like he was black and when then did that movie took a out? scholarship for a black student Before and then when time. the black girl who fell in love with him found out about it she was mad and he couldn't figure it out until she explained I was up for that scholarship and I didn't get it because they gave it to you at the last minute. Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, this isn't that particular situation, but it kind of is. And the second thing, this is why education, this is why tuition needs to be lowered. This is why education needs to be cheaper. If we look at the larger picture here, people are cheating and fighting to get an education that should be afforded all of us at Mm -hmm. no cost. Yeah, I don't doubt. Or at least at a lower cost. Right. And I don't, I agree. And I, I, I definitely do not doubt that some of these families that are doing this legitimately need more aid. Schools are so fucking expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. And, the, and that threshold isn't high. It's not like you, if you're a millionaire, you know. Right. It's, it's my parents who were, you know, blue collar workers, a steel worker and, and a Kent uh, County or a Stowe County uh, clerk, recorder, you know, working to maybe middle class jobs and they made too much money for me to get financial aid. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 complicated and it's weird for everyone. The core of this problem is the massive expense in, of college and and the huge debt that we end up in at the end of it uh regardless. But this is also a shit. It's a dick move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a dick move. But again, yeah, it's like sort of I I mean, we could talk about it forever totally. but Totally. It's a huge dick move. And I bet there are people that 100% could easily pay for it. And they're just I'm doing sure that just to yeah, pay Yeah, there less. were a few that, that you're like, I don't know the percentage or whatever. But yeah. um, also this week, uh, Jaleesa, a big story that's getting small coverage involving a police shooting here in El Cajon. Yeah. So um, this was because in 2016, Alfred Alongo was shot and killed by a police officer in El Cajon named Richard Gonsalves. And this week, uh, the trial, the only trial that made it to court regarding his incident began. And it was filed by his wife, daughter and sister Lucy, who witnessed her brother's death and Alongo's death. Or I'm sorry, Alango's death. And the filming of it brought San Diego into the spotlight of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is why it's kind of weird that this trial hasn't gotten a lot of media attention. But supposedly the lawyers on both sides don't want to 
taint the jury pool. It's your favorite word, yeah. Um, but um, I think it needs attention. I do right? too. Yeah. Uh, and the story did get some uh, some attention when it happened, at least mm-hmm. here in San Diego. I don't know yeah, how I it was received across that. the country, but yeah, because he was having uh, um, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And and we've actually done a couple of things since then to ensure. And in fact, uh, our um, marketing manager Sarah Lee Steiner is is working on a program to be at these responses when cops are called and there is a, a, she's a licensed clinical social worker and there is somebody with mental health issues so that they don't face this because I think he had a vape pen with him and they yep. thought it was a gun. Yeah, he pulled it out and pointed at them like it was a gun. But, but his, he was going through a breakdown that yeah. day. Is, yeah, his yeah. wife his mentioned sis- that. And his sister yeah. was like, he, he's not dangerous. He's just having, you know, he's, he's, he's having a mental breakdown. He needs, he needs help. He needs health care. He needs mental health care. And this shouldn't happen. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how this trial goes. Uh, so, you know, we're definitely going to keep our eye on it. But I, f- I felt like it needed a little more coverage. Definitely. And than I it's think, getting. Sorry um, if I taint the jury. I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the reporter who's been covering this, her name's Bianca Bruno. Yeah, so she's, I think, a local reporter, too. But she is the one who tweeted about this and got a lot of attention. And, yeah, it's just really cool that she's following this and just needs more attention. That's all. Yeah, and we'll definitely Retweet keep her. Your- We'll keep you posted. It's, I mean, the trial's already happening, so it should be over um, I by think the end of the week. End yeah, of the week or next know. week. Yep. So uh, stick around uh, next week, and we'll we'll tell you what's going on with that. And then, guys, this week, California Governor, our Governor Gavin Newsom, has signed a law that will make Donald Trump ineligible for California's primary ballot next year unless he discloses, I think, six years of his tax returns, five years of his tax returns, a lot of the tax returns, <laughs> federal tax returns. The law took effect Tuesday, and it will spark a high-profile court case, as Trump's lawyer Jay Sekulow has, has promised to sue. Many feel if it succeeds, it could set a precedent for other states to put weird requirements on candidates. Um, I don't see it that way, because you and I have had this discussion about court cases and the precedents they set and how they're not blanket precedent, that it's more specifically about tax returns and the California state primary. I, I kind of wish that he would have done state tax returns in order to run on in the state primary. It might have been a little more secure as a lawsuit because I'm all for this. I'm all for the transparency. And, you know, because people are like, oh, what about Dems? I'm like, all Dems disclose their tax returns mm-hmm. so far. And cool. And yes, and I want this transparency. But yeah, you also have to be careful People think it might encroach on the Constitution that says you only have to meet three these three criteria to run for president. But that is the federal election. That is the federal general election and not the California primary. We run our own primaries. So we'll see how it turns out in court. I texted uh, Renato Mariotti about it. Um, that's uh, the host of the On Topic podcast, former um, federal prosecutor. And he says it's a complicated issue. If it's an additional qualification added by the state, it's unconstitutional because you can't add additional qualifications to be president. But there's a very good argument that it isn't a qualification because anyone could meet it just by releasing. It's just like forcing candidates to turn in signatures to be on the ballot. That makes sense. Another issue is whether it curtails the First Amendment rights of Republicans. Uh, Does the law tell them how they uh, must pick their own nominees? It's complicated. No one knows for sure. Uh, I don't know what the GOP could do in response. Personally, I'm all for transparency. So that's um, what Renato says. I I concur with Renato. It's a great response. What if they didn't file their taxes? 
<laughs> they should all have filed their taxes, right? But would that <laughs> somehow make them not like all eligible if someone's like, I ain't got it? <laughs> like, then they broke the law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's find out. Because I, I remember there was this headline I saw in this uh, on this topic that said it might affect some other candidates, but I didn't read it yet. I'm just curious about what they could mean by that. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you, do you think they should uh, be forced to release their tax returns to be on the primary ballot? Uh, I mean, I also am just a fan of the transparency, and I I don't really see what someone truly stands to lose by doing it unless they're already a criminal, kind of, <laughs> or, or someone that's... Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where I don't think it's like a huge invasion of privacy, really. And I've noticed that most Republicans think that we want this so that we can prove he's not a billionaire. But that actually has nothing to do with it. First of all, we already know he's not a billionaire, and we got that without his tax returns, um, thanks to the amazing journalism at the New York Times with that piece that they put out uh, put out on the Trump family. We want to see if he's beholden to any enemies. That's basically it. Uh, and you know, what is he laundering money? Is he is mm-hmm. he not paying his taxes? Is he is he dodging taxes? Oh the, yeah, those are important things for Americans to know. I think, especially so. since we already have all these breadcrumbs about how many times he's claimed bankruptcy and all of these things. So it's like I would just I, I would love yeah, and the to inflating know receipts how yes, and t- I'd love insurance. to know how he still sits there and totes this image as like the wealthiest man in America. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. love to see how you Lies. get from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one last thing, late break in last night, a New York federal judge dismissed the DNC's lawsuit, which sought to hold the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks liable for the Russian election hacks. Uh, I'm not mad about this dismissal. Um, uh, basically, the, the judge was citing the First Amendment, and this comes goes back to when Assange, we found out Assange was brought up on charges of espionage for his 2010 dissemination of what Chelsea Manning stole. And the difference is, is he didn't, he but he helped steal it, right? Did he? Then he should be charged for that. But he shouldn't be charged for the dissemination or, obta- uh, you know, obtaining it, uh, because that's what journalists do. Whether, he, whether you want to call him a legit journalist or not, that's not defined by the law. Uh, you would have to do that, and that, then we're parsing things that could set weird precedents. Uh, but I think that you know, if you if you helped steal the the shit, if you hacked the shit, then you should be charged. It was the Russians who hacked, and they were charged. Uh, if you receive it and disseminate it, if if uh, Mueller Magoon comes in to your uh, Ecuadorian cat chamber and hands you a thumb drive <laughs> with a bunch of hacked emails on it. If you receive it and disseminate it, that actually shouldn't be illegal. It treads a little bit on the First Amendment, and I'm not for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm okay with this dismissal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Totally. All right. Well, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. No arguments from the peanut gallery. I think there is something to be further looked into and litigated Uh because it's like it's still something still doesn't sit right though, right? That like WikiLeaks could walk away from that entire situation just squeaky clean, but it might just be the case that that's how it has to be for us to uphold First Amendment rights. Yeah, agreed. We have to really protect those. So, mm-hmm. do they have like uh, like a Wikipedia style donation thing on their page? Because maybe people could boycott that. If they need some <laughs> kind of consequence, right? Right. I yeah. don't know if it works the same way. Otherwise, we would just go in and I'll change the pages. Right. Yeah. And money is free speech, so <laughs> same argument. Right? Just so. a bunch of Ron Paul <laughs> offspring just keeping that site alive. Yeah. Ugh, the Pauls. <laughs> Libertarian funded 100%. Gosh. All right, guys. It's time for our social media call to action. Hashtag 
All right, so an op-ed in Washington Post this week is making Turtle Dick Mitch super sad. Uh, the story says Mitch is standing by Trump in refusing to lift a finger to defend against Russian election interference in 2020 because Trump can make or break any other legislation Mitch might want to pass, though he doesn't seem to want to bring anything to the floor for a vote these days. The Washington Post article didn't even mention the $2.5 million McConnell accepted from Len Blavatnik, nor did they mention uh, his Deripaska reach-around when he voted to lift sanctions on the oligarchs so he could get a giant Russian aluminum plant in his home state and no homosexual shaming on the reach around. That's just a friendly gift. Uh, yeah, but re- anyone can reach around. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I just wanted com- to combination, yeah. mm-hmm. preempt those emails, though. It's not, not a homophobic comment. Just a favor. Uh, but regardless of those things not being mentioned in WAPO, Trump called the Washington Post a Russian asset. And this is a signal to me that someone has leaked some of the FBI counterintelligence findings to Trump, saying he's an asset because his... M.O. is that once he finds out he does something wrong, he accuses uh, his uh, opponent of doing the same thing. Yeah. Can't spell asset without ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ass hat. Russian ass hat. <laughs> and uh, Morning Joe, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, um, has coined the term Moscow Mitch, uh, and according to the Washington Post, and now it's trending on Twitter. So please head to social media and keep hashtag Moscow Mitch on the charts. <laughs> I love that. We should, like, do a little experiment and try to get a bill that's pro-Russia on the floor and see if Mitch will vote for that. Like, Russia is awesome, Bill. And see how quickly he'll be like, oh, yeah, this checks out. We are putting a bill forward that says we need to hand over all of our internal polling data to the Kremlin. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm so curious about what he would do. Just a little test, Bill? Yeah, yeah. He'll be tempted. You know he will. (laughs) Start sweating, yeah. Holy crap. All right, guys. uh, We'll be right back in one second. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans, the new morning news podcast with swears. If you sign up and become a patron, not only will you get ad-free episodes, our newsletter and research notes, pre-sale tickets for live shows, patronage for our other podcast, Muller She Wrote, and access to our private social media community, but you'll also get The Daily Beans the night before it's released to the public. Plus, your contribution goes towards health benefits for our staff. That is, until we elect a Democrat and realize Medicare for all. Thanks again for listening, and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Daily Beans with Muller She Wrote Daily Beans Hey guys, welcome back. It's AG here. Everyone's left. Uh, We've finished watching the debates and I just have a couple things I want to talk about really quickly. First of all, uh, CNN shouldn't do debates anymore. Um, I really didn't like the way that they structured it. I didn't like their questions. Their, their questions were GOP talking points for the, for the most part. Um, you know, for example, when um, they were asking about whether they want, you know, did you want to decriminalize the border? You voted to decriminalize the border or whether they were <clears throat> asking people who wanted uh, Medicare for all. Well, you, you know, how do you feel about throwing uh, union workers off their health insurance? And it was just really, um, contentious. I think they were trying to start fights. I don't appreciate it. I prefer um, the MSNBC format much better. And I think it went on a little bit too long. But of course, there's 10 candidates. It's hard to judge. I think there were two clear winners tonight. I think Judge and Warren. Uh, I thought Warren was going to run away with it. But Judge was really, really amazing tonight as well. Uh, so I'm just going to go through here. Um, my quick ideas about each of the candidates that were on stage tonight. First, there was Bullock. Uh, and there's an old Sex Pistols album called Nevermind the Bullocks, and I think we can do that here. I think he's gone. Um, he got no applause after his uh, closing statement, sort of a centrist. Um, 
I don't think he's going anywhere after this. Marianne Williamson, Dark Horse of the Night, super surprising. Her, her big lines were no wonkiness, radical truth-telling, governing philosophy, uh, love wins. Um, we have to look at the causes and not the symptoms. She wants to talk about moral leadership. She's the one who can beat Trump with that kind of uh, philosophical leadership uh, love governance situation and it was awesome to listen to her talk I'm going to miss her she did get applause um, for her uh, closing statements and she did get some wild applause when she started talking about um, environmental racism and how things like the Flint water crisis and uh, climate change you know more like impact communities of color and uh, disadvantaged communities more than they do the rest of us she talked about how where she grew up in Gross Point, they would have never, the Flint water crisis would have never have happened there. And that's just something that got a ton of applause. And she she really did well during that um, that particular answer. Let's see, we have Delaney, uh, centrist, GOP talking points, gross, bye. That's what I wrote for him. Tim Ryan, centrist, GOP talking points, gross, bye. Wrote that for him as well. Hickenluber, centrist, GOP talking points, gross, bye. Klobuchar, centrist, pleasant, She's still uh, bad with questions about race and racial issues in the country. Um, I think she'll stick around a little bit longer than the others. Marianne Williamson might hang out for a minute, too, because she did she did really well tonight. But I think Delaney, Tim Ryan, Hickenlooper, and Bullock are gone. Klobuchar, I think, might uh, stick around for a little bit. But like I said, she's still having a really hard time uh, answering questions about um, the racial injustices uh, in America, and that's probably going to be one of the you know major things that um, the 2020 campaign is about. Uh, Beto did well, uh, but I wish he was running for Senate. I have big hopes for him, but I think he's better for Texas than he would be for America. So he actually got a little applause on his closing statement. There was a there was silence for for quite a few of them. Uh, Buttigieg, like I said, tied for the win. No zingers, but he had some amazing moments. First of all, his moment on structural changes, like making Washington, D.C. a state, giving them statehood so they can have proper representation in Congress, and talking about restructuring the Supreme Court so it's not political. I think what he wants to do is add seats to it uh, to be more representative of, of the populace because it's been at nine seats for and our population has grown. I can't remember the, the numbers, but it's crazy. We should have more people on the Supreme Court. Um, so I really like his structural ideas there to answer a lot of the uh, problems uh, in the country. He's still having issues with uh, racial divides, but he answered those questions much better this time than he did last time. And But his, mo- his moment was his address to Republicans in Congress. It was so great. He just looked right at the camera uh, and he said, I have it right here. I wrote it down one second. He said... Uh, he looked right in the camera. When the sun sets on your career and they're writing your story, the thing you'll be remembered for is whether in this moment with this president, you found the courage to stand up to him or whether you continued to put party over country. He got wild applause for that. It was a great line. It was a great moment for him. Um, So I appreciated that. And then moving on to Warren, winner, uh, I think, at least tied for the winner. She had plans. She had details. She got interrupted a lot, but I think it's because... Her plans are very comprehensive, and she just didn't have the time with nine other people on stage to go through them or with the time restrictions. So hopefully in the next debate, she'll have a little more time. Uh, She had the line of the night, I thought, when she just jumped right in and off the top of her head said, I don't understand why anybody goes through all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and what we shouldn't fight for. 
And that was great. She got the applause of the night, line of the night. It was fantastic. Uh, She had a good closing statement. She got big applause for it. And then finally, uh, Bernie Sanders. He was solid. He was angry. And he was energized. Um, He's on message. He hasn't changed his messaging since the 60s. Um, He had a good closing statement. Uh, He got a lot of applause. He had multiple applause breaks in his closing statement. So it feels like if I were just going by audience applause that, that maybe Sanders won the night. But I really think that the um, the two to look out for here were Buttigieg and Warren. Um, I might put him in a three-way tie, but I just think he was kind of repetitive, although Warren repeated herself uh, one or two times as well, but for, for good reason. Um, there was one really funny moment, and I think he was talking to Tim Ryan or Bullock or one of the, one of the Republicans on stage, when he, he threw his hands up and, and whoever was arguing with him says oh you're gonna throw your hands up he goes yeah i'll do it again oh and he threw his hands up and everybody laughed it was really funny um warren might have made a tiny mistake and that might have put her down a notch she would have been the clear winner i think if she hadn't yelled at the audience um she at some point she was trying to finish an answer about a personal story about a, a father of uh, in a family who had uh, als and how they were struggling with paying their health care bills and they cut her off and asked her a different question uh, or asked another person a question. She responded to it and then said, but I want to go back to talking about Eddie. And the audience laughed and she got really mad at him and said, this isn't funny. And I was like, whoa. Uh, But, you know, I mean, that, you know, maybe that shows her fighting spirit or her ability to be tough. Um, Because I know, uh, you know, a lot of people with optics about, uh, you know, can a woman, can we elect a woman president? We did, by the way, in 2016 by several million votes. But, you know, sometimes uh, they got to go out of their way to, to prove that they're that they're tough. But then, of course, you have to walk that fine line as a woman because you can be perceived as a uh, shill or bossy or bitchy or whatever the fuck. I don't know. It's it's terrible that we even have to have those discussions at all. I don't think that we should uh, can they shouldn't be considerations. Uh, but anyway, that is kind of the little wrap up uh, of my of the debates, but I really don't like the way CNN's handling them. I'm not looking forward to tomorrow night. Um, I will watch it, but I just don't like the way that they're posing the questions. They seem, I don't know, like they're trying to like they're trying to pick fights between candidates, and and they're using GOP talking points, and and we don't need that. And um, you know, Warren brought that up on several occasions like why are we even using GOP talking points so I think you'll see that a lot when you watch the debate coverage but anyway uh, that's my thoughts before I even watched any of the analysis on it those are just what I'm thinking so guys uh, I'm gonna sign off right now we're gonna get to the wrap-up of the show and I will see you later all right guys that's our show how do you feel I feel good yeah It was a nice day. It wasn't too bad. I thought it was going to be crazy Tuesday news day. There wasn't much. It was just like wall-to-wall debate coverage. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we were able to uh, pick out some of the other stories we thought would be important to you and bring them to you. So thanks for that, Julissa. um, That's a really interesting uh, case that we're going to watch in El Cajon. Oh, yeah. Jordan, thanks for that that ProPublica. Wow, I can't believe they uncovered that. um, Yeah, I'm sure it's happening in every state. That's the other part of that story is Mm -hmm. it's like being covered in (laughs) Illinois, but probably happening everywhere. Yeah, that was just Illinois. And there was like already... How many? Like over 40 cases God. between January 2018 and now. <laughs> Crazy. All right. So um, vote blue. <laughs> <laughs> we won't have these issues to even worry about. Um, guys, do you have any final thoughts? 
Um, oh, I have a correction from yesterday um, about the Gilroy shooting. They only found one shooter so far. There was actually no confirmation of a second okay. shooter. Yeah, so it's just one guy who actually might be a white supremacist because there was a social media account that posted that seems to be on his behalf, but I think it was posted huh. after he died. So people are like freaked out about what that was about. Yeah. But um, yeah, it could have been very surprising if he was. Yeah, it was just like a very alt right message. And uh, yeah, so. Yep. That's just your typical, I guess, suspect well, now. Yeah, it seems like it. And mm -hmm. thanks for that correction. Yeah, sorry to have a sad note. But yeah, debate days are fun. They're, um, <laughs> the energy's good in the air. So. <laughs> yeah, curious to see how much gun control stuff comes up. That'll mm -hmm. be interesting tonight mm -hmm. on stage for mm -hmm. sure. And, um, the, and tomorrow too, right? Yeah, that's usually something they bring up on both nights. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I'm... I'm looking forward to it, and we'll be live tweeting it from at Daily Beans Pod. So check that out. Uh, you actually probably aren't going to hear this in time. <laughs> <laughs> in time for the next one. But yes. guess what? I did. And if you want to go back and read them, cool, bro. <laughs> All right, guys. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is produced by AG, featuring Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our merchandising manager is Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jaleesa Johnson, and Jordan Coburn, with executive assistance by Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>